this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive on Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Today's parable is one of the most beloved stories Jesus ever told. Jesus was being questioned by Pharisees for the riffraff company he keeps. We find it in the beginning of Luke chapter 15 in verse 1 when it says, Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. The Pharisees were the rule followers. They're the people that tried to take their faith seriously, to live out their faith, their life as a holy temple each and every day. And they did not like that Jesus was hanging out with no good tax collectors and sinners. Jesus responds to this criticism by telling three stories back to back about lost things. First, he tells about a shepherd who loses one of his 100 sheep, and he goes out searching for that one lost sheep, and when he finds that sheep, he comes back and he tells all his friends and neighbors, come on, we're going to celebrate, I just found my sheep. Then he tells the story about a woman who's lost a precious coin. She turns the house upside down. She searches everywhere. She will not rest until she finds this coin. And when she finds it, she says to her friends and neighbors, come on, everybody, let's celebrate. I just found my precious coin. And the third story is about lost sons. And it follows the exact same pattern until the very end of the story. And so I invite you to read along with me. It's going to be in, I'm going to start now at verse 11 of chapter 15. And the story goes like this. There was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine came across the country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fat calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. 
and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours come, came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and now is found. I'm hydrating today, everybody. So here's a story we can all relate to. A story about family. And everybody's got family, love them, annoyed by them. We can all relate to this story about family, even one that's a couple of thousand years old. And this family, of a father and two sons who runs a family farm. They've got their issues, like everybody does. And it starts with the youngest son. He is heartless, isn't he? Seems to care about nobody but himself. And now the oldest children in the room today are probably thinking, well, he was probably babied growing up. I happen to be the oldest of three. And I remember a distinct memory of my own young adulthood. I remember being home on a break in college, and I was standing in the kitchen talking to my mom, and it was about lunchtime, and my baby brother comes bebopping in in the middle of the day. What you don't know is we live just a couple of blocks from the high school, and he comes walking into the house, and my mom stops, and she says, well, what are you doing home? And he says, it was a half day today, Mom. And she goes, okay, and just goes right back to talking to me. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't even know the school schedule anymore? If it was me, that would have been posted in three places. It would have been talked about, and expectations would have been set. But by the third one, they were tired. They were tired. And I'm not saying if you happen to be the baby of your family, I'm not implying that you will turn out like this son in this story, but clearly something has gone wrong with this youngest son. He pretty much tells his dad he wishes he were dead. He says, give me my inheritance that I'm going to get when you die ahead of time. And it breaks his father's heart, but he gives it to him. And he immediately goes to the Vegas of Galilee and spends all his money. Never looking back, never reaching out to, to reach out to home. His brother tries to pick up the pieces. His brother tries to keep going. He endures the small talk around town about his family and his brother. He's there to help soothe his dad's heartache and pain and the grief of this broken relationship and the family. And maybe some of us know too well what it is to feel that way, to have this brokenness in your family. And the younger son's choices didn't just hurt him. It hurt everybody. The older son works hard to keep this family business going. And meanwhile, he's 
younger brother spends all that money on reckless living. That's what Jesus says. Isn't that nice of Jesus to leave it all above the fray? Reckless living. We know what reckless living is. It's not rated PG. And he spends all the money, every bit of it. At some point, trouble comes his way with a famine. He finds himself with his credit cards maxed out. His houses, his cars, and his boats are all foreclosed and repossessed. And the younger son, who thought he had so many friends, suddenly finds all his friends are gone. And he is homeless. He ends up living and working amongst pigs. If that is not a rock bottom first century Jewish guy, I don't know what is. He's hungry. He's starving. And he starts to think that his dad's hired hands are living a much better life than he is in that moment. And he decides to head back home and beg for his dad to treat him as a servant. It wasn't exactly a change of heart, was it? It wasn't like his conscience motivated him to go home. It was his stomach. He was hungry. His empty belly motivates him to turn towards home. He practices a speech that he's going to give his dad when he gets there. Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And so he's practicing his speech as he walks and he's still off in the distance when his dad spots him. And his dad goes running for him. This patriarch, head of household, goes running to his son, hugs him, kisses him, get a robe for him, get shoes on his feet because only servants would go barefoot, get the family ring back on his finger. We've got to celebrate today. Throw a party because my son was dead and now alive, was lost and now found. This father wants to celebrate a lost son has come home. We have to celebrate. And the youngest son is probably shocked and in awe and maybe even humbled by his dad's embrace. Arms wide open. He did not deserve it. It's grace and mercy. He didn't deserve it. Church, Jesus is trying to tell us again and again and again so that maybe by the third time it would finally sink into our brains that this is the nature of who God is, a God who is obsessed with that what is lost is now found. And you, and maybe today, maybe today you need to hear a word of grace and mercy in your own life that you don't have to earn or deserve. It's never too late, you're never too far gone, too lost or too broken, for his love to find you. And if that is a word you need to hear today, then I hope and pray that you hear it from this story. His grace and his mercy is for you. As I like to tell the kids, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. He is that wild about you. He's got to celebrate. His son was lost and now is found. And you could think that's the end of the story here, but it's not the end of the story, because where is the older son? Well, he's out in the yard. He's listening to the music and the laughter and the dancing going on at his dad's house, and he is furious. A party? 
He can't believe it. His good-for-nothing brother shows up, and he gets a party. Where's a party for the brother who did the right things? Where's the party for the brother who stayed day in and day out, who worked hard? Where's the party for the one who's followed the rules? The selfish, cares about no one and nothing brother shows up after all this time, and dad throws him a party. Would you want to go to that party? Would you want to be seen at that party? In fact, maybe even in your own life, you can remember a time or two of being invited to a party where there are part of you think, should I even go because of what it might say about me if I go to that party? Would you go to the party for that son? Sure, let the son come home, but make him sit at the servant's table. Make him at least apologize to everybody he's hurt. Make him try to do some work to earn back some of the money he took. He gets a party. This brother has got principles. His dad may be a pushover, but he's not. He's not going into that party. He is not going in. He is sitting proud on his high horse, listening to the sound of the party inside, and he is refusing to go in. But here's the thing about it. His dad, I guess he couldn't enjoy the party because he notices yet again there's another son missing from the table. And so he goes out looking for his son, and he finds him in the front yard. And when his older dad sees him, he lets him have it. That son of yours, he called him. Did you notice that? That son of yours, he's not my brother. You throw him a party. How could you? And the father pleads with him to come inside and says, look, all that I have is yours. I love you. I've always loved you. I always will love you. But I had to celebrate today because your brother who was lost is found was dead and now alive. Of the three stories Jesus tells about lost things, lost sheep, lost coin, lost sons, it's this last one he decides to end a bit differently. Like all the other stories before it, there is a celebration that what was lost is now found. But this one ends with that younger, no-good son sitting back in his chair, stunned, maybe humbled, by the gift that he has received that day. And the dad is out in the front yard begging for another son to come inside, to join the party. What this father cares about most is reunion. Reunion. Lost sheep. Lost coins, lost sons. What the father cares about is reunion. He doesn't care how or when you get there. Just that you get there. And you know what? I'm mindful today that that party is probably pretty great. The music is good, the food is amazing, and there is a seat for you at the table. Won't you come? Won't you come? All these years later, I think he's still waiting for our answer. Amen.